Hey guys, I'm Lana Turner. You're listening to the Perfect 10 Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm in a different studio today. This is um, the studio for where I recorded my album, and hopefully we'll be back in, a, in the All Things Comedy studio soon, but um, it might sound a little different than, than we do normally, um, but I've got like awesome people with me. Norm, who recorded Limeade, is here, but not saying much. Um, but also, I've got Tony Alfano, a comedian who I just recently met, and you had so many great stories. Okay, just say hi. Hi, Because <laughs> I'm going to talk over you for a second. Because like, yeah. when I meet somebody and they're like, start telling me a story, I'm like, wait, you want to come do the podcast? And you're like, what? And then I'm like, don't tell me anymore because this is like the coolest, craziest fucking stuff of all time. I want to share it with my audience. That's how I felt when I met you. Yeah, that's awesome because I, I always love when people ask me to do stuff like that because it's like a cool opportunity to tell a story when someone hasn't heard it. Right. And it's just awesome because like even when I tell it for the second time or like the third time, I always relive things. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, you like learn new lessons kind of. Well, your story, like your your life, I, I mean, I imagine just from the little bit I know of you, like I could just keep talking with you for hours because, I mean, we even just started a minute ago. I'm like, wait, that's a very Italian name, <laughs> yeah, right? Tony Alfano. Like the, and then you're like, well, half. And then I'm like, and then you started into a story. I'm like, okay, what's, <laughs> what's, what's the deal? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm half Italian, unfortunately. My dad fell in love with a white woman, which... Oh. I don't know why, man. I just he could have just met a nice Italian princess. It you want to be all? Blooded. I want to be, be all Italian. I did because like my whole dad's side of the family, like my grandma was like from Italy. They moved to New York and then relocated to California. So they had like these deep roots that I never got to experience or be a part of. Really, you were like the like the offshoot. Like they yeah. didn't accept you into. No, the- they they did, but there was a lot of my dad's family from back east that I never got to meet and stuff. Because and, why? Because you're half um, not a. No, not just because that. Just because of relocation, and then like unfortunately, some of my dad's family passed away before oh. I was born and stuff like that. But you don't feel con- as connected. Yeah, exactly. I got to know my grandma, which was cool. But just seeing that side of the family, and I, I met and I've dated people that were like full Italian families. But what's wrong felt, with your white side? Like what was that? Was that yeah, it's like, like white Irish? trash side. Oh. It's like it's like that white trash, white trash side. So. Oh, like when you say white trash, like, like my mom, uh, my mom was adopted. Uh, her and her two siblings were adopted by um, somebody, and then we just found out like five years ago. My mom found her birth mother uh-huh. and went to go meet them, and came back so disappointed because she was like, uh, "They live in Reno, Nevada, on like a farm, and they're very white trash." So. Oh, because I guess as a, look, I guess maybe when you're a young child and you know you've been adopted, and you like build up the fantasy of what your mommy was like and it's like yeah. every Disney princess that like or every story you're like my mom was Princess Diana like, yeah you exactly know? <laughs> like, I had this secret life that I was supposed to be something great and yeah. then you just find out that you saved yourself from shoveling shit for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh, alright this is my genetic line- like this is where I came from yeah she showed me a picture of some guy that's like my I guess her brother so my uncle or half uncle however you do that and like just see some kind of resemblance but mixed in with white trash jeans I was I like see, oh. mixed in with like lots of math and like <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's, well, was, that's disappointing. Okay, so I see why you want to associate more with Yeah, I just always wanted that super Italian background, you know? I just felt more baller. Yeah. <laughs> well, just play it up. Yeah, right. You still I just got lie it. about it. I mean, you got the name. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't thank really God. matter. They yeah. named me like Jeff Alfano or something terrible like yeah, that. You got the Tony. Made it. <laughs> yeah. Tony Alfano. You got like a fucked up white trash middle name? Uh, no, it's uh, Tony Joseph, Anthony Joseph Alfano. Oh, so yeah. You're Italian. Pretty Italian, you know? Yeah. You're, like if you serve me meatballs, I'd yeah. like, yeah. And I got, I got the olive good. complexion. I got lucky there too. So, yeah. you know, it's not all bad. No, you, you got it. That's, that's, really <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, okay. So you've got like this crazy story of like, because also you yourself, Almost went down the white trash route. Yeah, I, being uh, young and pregnant. Yes, very much. But that so. didn't end up being the case. Well, it was kind of almost. It was. It was even it's worse. A, it's very it was more much white a, trash. It's, it's very Jerry Springer. Yeah. So very. yeah, I guess you can't escape your roots. So like, what happened? Uh, yeah. So I was uh, I was 19 years old, and you know, as you do, I met a girl, and uh, we hit it off right away, and it was just one of those like freak things where you just meet in that same night you're like oh man this is going down immediately wait where did you meet that uh, like, we met through some to- uh, we met through some mutual friends and we ended up we're supposed to go to some party um like one of our friends houses and we ended up going to the wrong party 
um, wow. in the same apartment complex but with a bunch of people. it was the right party. Yeah, with a bunch of people we didn't know. So me and this girl that I had just met. Wait, so you went to an apartment complex, there were two parties going on, you wandered yeah. into the wrong one. Yeah, and me and the girl that we had just met at another place, and we were like, hey, let's go to this party together. So we get there, we go into the wrong place. You were with this other girl? Or yeah, just... I was with her and another friend, and we were just hanging out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we go to this party, and I was just pretending like I knew these people because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like, I was like, dude, so I haven't seen you in years, man. How are you doing? And then they play like, it oh, off. They're, they're like, were, I know you too. Here's everyone acted like, like we were all old friends so it was hilarious, <gasps> hilarious. And this, this chick's watching me do this and I could tell that she was just like oh my god this guy is like next level funny like this is cool oh she knew that, she, that you yeah, didn't know anybody she, yeah she knew what was going on and uh -huh. she was just like I could tell it was like one of those moments where like oh cool I kind of got this chick and uh, so we went to the real party and we like kind of hit it off and uh, we ended up hooking up that night and then like just started dating and seven weeks after that she's like hey I'm pregnant so it was like oh shit oh. like we're 19 what are we gonna do oh yeah so we uh we talked about it. She um, she decided, like, you know, I want to keep it. I can't have an abortion, all that stuff. And I was like, you know, I respect you if you want to do that. Which side? That was your Italian side yeah. coming out. You know, I always felt like, you know, I had I came from a broken family and stuff. So I always felt like it'd be cool to have an opportunity to, like, have my own family one day. Right. So I was 19 and I was just like, you know what? Like, time to man up. You got her pregnant. You got to do what you got to do. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So we started going through this pregnancy. And then, like, a couple weeks into it, she went to a doctor's appointment. And the doctor was like... Uh, I think you're a little further along than we like originally planned, like or thought you were. Like you should be at 17 weeks, and we think that you're at like 22 weeks. Oh, and so I was. Flag. I'm sitting there doing math, and I'm like, wait, I didn't even know you then. So I had to ask, like, uh, what does that mean? And the doctor's like, I mean, it may not be your child, or it may be like we can't measure it. It looks like it could be either one of those two, and we're not going to know. So pretty much further along down and the road. And the father is? Yeah, that's what I had to ask. I was like, so who is it? And she had told me that um, the guy that she was dating before, they had broken up. Apparently they ran into each other at a party. They, she got drunk and she said that she doesn't remember what happened. And I was 19 and I believed that. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Wait, oh, but if she said she was dating. Yeah, she they had broken up, but it was like one of those after you date hookup type things at a party oh. that they had been at. And this was before she met me. So I'm sitting there like, all right, she didn't cheat on me. She didn't do anything wrong. This is just kind of like bad timing. And uh, I just kind of like, I don't know. I was like so in love with this idea because I just went through like. You were already in love with this baby that was about yeah, to Yeah, because this was like a month after. And, and like I had sat down and talked to her parents that I didn't even know yet and told them I got their daughter pregnant. Like I did all oh. that stuff, which was awkward, you know. And we, I just, you know, I made up. Because you were so and, young. Yeah. And I just, I was like, you know, I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to do everything I need to do for this. Oh, so, but that's so nice. Yeah. It was, a, and, you know, Wait, it was. Are a, you still that same person? Like how many A little bit. A little bit. Like, <laughs> I've learned some lessons, you know. God, like all that. That, that. I threw myself too. I was a little bit too uh, wanting to be the knight in shining armor back then. That was like my personality because I just came from this real like fucked up life, and I was always like, you know, I can I can take anything on my back and like carry anybody through anything. Mm. So we go through this thing, and like that whole like pregnancy period was like the hardest time I've ever had. Just every day, like waking up and just praying that the kid was mine. I'm like pretty sure I'm the only 19 year old kid that's ever prayed for a kid to be his. Like, Oh, so you usually, really wanted to be a daddy. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted this, like this family. Cause me and her, like, it's funny to look back now, but we were like 19. It was like, Oh, we'll just fall in love. Like we'll make it work. We're, we're going to have a baby. We'll fall in love and be perfect. You know? But you, you said you came from a broken home. Yeah. So, so I, how I had old were this, you and your family? Oh man. I, my, uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was four. And then my mom's remarried twice since then, gotten divorced twice. Oh. So I've always had like asshole stepdads in the picture. And I was always kind of like back and forth with my mom and dad. So idealizing what it would be like. Yeah. And me going, that. dude, oh. I have an opportunity to like make sure this kid never has to deal with that. And that to me was like so and, like rewarding. And, and, and yeah. now that you look back, it's probably all the kid has to deal Yeah. With. And it's, it, we'll get there. It gets yeah. pretty, you know. Okay. But, I figured we'd. Yeah. But it was just crazy. So I went through this whole pregnancy, just like waiting it out. And like, I just like couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, just super stressed out, hoping against hope, like, and not knowing. So the baby was born and uh, she didn't look like me, which was kind of a hard. I was like, oh, no. Oh. So, but everyone's you know, it's interesting. Like, when, they when, say they don't look like anybody. No, no. When babies come out, a lot of times they look like the father. Yeah. Right. And Norm's nodding. Because, or Asian. <laughs> or, or, they look like old men. Yeah. But they look, they have a very strong resemblance to the father so that there's an, I, I mean, nature just makes sure yeah. that, 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 okay, it's mine. Because uh, both my kids, like they, and then they then they get their own kind of combo, yeah. combo thing. She was a little chameleon because she came out with like jet black hair and like the other guy was uh, Latino. So it was either Latino or half Italian, you know, and it was like, uh -huh. 
All right, we'll see. So she was born. I was in the delivery room. Like I did everything, you know. And um, and where was that guy at this time? That had he, he had- was he was trying to like be involved, and she was like, no, because like they had a really bad relationship, and this guy was like a total. She didn't loser. want to accept that it was his baby. She didn't either. want it to be his kid. She wanted oh. it to be my kid, and she didn't even want him involved whatsoever. And he was like, it's my kid. I'm going to be involved. Like he was trying to do oh, his so thing. She's a very lucky girl. Like she. Yeah, had, she like, got lucky that I was like, you know, and I had her back and stuff. Both guys wanted to be. There. Yeah, him him more so. Like he was just like a total piece of shit though. Uh-huh. And uh, so he actually served her with papers right after the baby was born and demanded a but, paternity but test. But he wanted the child. Yeah, so that's he, not yeah. really that shitty. No, that's it, actually kind of cool. It was cool that he was taking responsibility, but it was shitty because of how shitty of a person that he was. And honestly, a lot of it seemed more like him trying to get her back oh, as opposed to well, look, this new guy, like that kind of a thing. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like he would text her shit at night while we were together, like, good night, sleep tight, take care of my child. And it's like, she's like, dude, don't fucking talk to me. Like if it's your kid, we'll talk then. But you know, so huh. he was trying to butt in. So he served her papers. Jerry, yeah. Jerry, Jerry. So this is where it gets really good. He took a paternity test and um, they were on their way to go to mediation for their first court date to like discover, like decide, um, what is that word? I can't think of that word, custody or whatever. And so I was driving the baby to my house to watch her while they did that. And then I get a phone call as I'm driving away and she goes, turn around because his paternity test just came back and it's negative. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah. So I'm like, holy shit, that's my kid. I'm freaking out. Oh no, I drive there's back, more dude, mixed into this I drive bucket. Back, I drive back to the house with this baby that I just found out was mine. That oh. I'm just like, I cannot believe this. Her dad hugs me. He's like, she's an Alfano. And I'm like, I can't believe it. So oh. at that that night we're all celebrating. But she knows something. That's, else. Here's the thing, because we all everyone's happy at this point. Everyone's <laughs> like great. So her mom, there who I think, more fish in yeah, the sea. her mom has always kind of had like one eye open on her. Like you could kind of tell. And her mom was like, I think just to ease everybody's mind, you should just take a paternity test. Oh, we'll mom. do a home test, and we'll just you know just so. And she's like, because I know that you were a little bit worried and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because this is weird. The baby had actually started looking like me. Which was weird. She looked like my grandma, she, the Italian grandma. She like, had a type. The girl did. Yeah, definitely. Like, so you were her type. And it was me. weird. It was like, dude, that might... Because me and my friends used to look at her. Because like, for like three months, I was her dad. And this other guy wasn't even in the picture. And like he was trying to get in. So I'd bring her around to my friend's houses. And everyone's like, dude, she looks like Tony. So, I mean, she kind of looks like Tony. I don't know. So it was kind of funny. But so, yeah, her mom had me take like this home paternity test. And I didn't even think about it. We did the swab. It was no big what deal. Is this? What is it? Like the mouth? Yeah, it was like it? a mouth swab. And then they do it to her. And then you send it in. Mm. So they sent this thing in. It comes back. And she goes, it's negative. Mm. So I'm like, who the fuck is this kid's dad? Like, what the hell's going on? So I had to pretty much pry it out of her. There's this guy that she had hooked up with um, at a party like a week before she met me. So it was like, and she didn't think anything of it because she said they wore protection and it didn't, it really didn't go on that long. She just like didn't think anything of it. Oh, it didn't take long. It didn't take long to get pregnant. Long enough. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, yeah, and probably there was not adequate protection. Yeah, exactly. And she, like, looking back, I was way in love with this chick and I was obviously blinded, but, like, now looking back as a full-grown adult and a 30-year-old man, it's like, oh, God, you were such an idiot. Like, you fell for everything. Wait, so you, you know? stuck with her after the paternity I stuck, test? After, after we found that out, I was like, you know, well, you didn't cheat on me. I already loved this kid. Did she ever find kid. the guy? Did yeah, she find so, him? so here's the thing, like, we decided um, that we were gonna just put my name on the birth certificate. We were <gasps> like, screw it, I'm her dad, no one else. This guy doesn't wanna be involved. Oh, you were like, so young. Yeah, so we went to the court and they said the only way to do that is to take a paternity test. So I had to take another paternity test at the court and I was like, this one's coming back positive because the other one was a home paternity test. This one's positive for sure, it's like legit. Mm. So I did this test, comes back negative, at which point I'm like, all right, I'm not this kid's dad, the other guy doesn't wanna be involved, so. Fuck it, I'm her dad. Like, let's do this. Oh, so that's really sweet. Yeah. Though. So at this point, her family, for some reason, had just completely flipped the script on me. They were just like, "Fuck Tony," because they always felt like I didn't, ha- I wasn't like her real dad. And throughout all of this, I kind of got into it with her family. Like, hey, I'm paying for this kid. I'm doing this. Why are you guys rooting for these other guys to be involved when it's like I'm the one doing it? She has a dad. Like, yeah. That you know what? And it, there's this whole thing about. Um, like a bird will drop an egg in another bird's mm-hmm. nest and then that other bird will raise it as yeah. its own. And it's in nature, 
guys will come in and, yeah. and I mean I cut wait, her umbilical and, cord like I was her dad yeah you're her opinion, father you know? yeah. just yeah I can I mean I think that that happens all the time yeah people. I've seen like, it a lot yeah of course it does I mean and even in your case in your upbringing you might not have liked your stepdads but other mm-hmm. men stepped into your mom's world probably with good intention I would hope because they One knew of them. That, <laughs> well they knew that they were yeah. marrying a woman with a child so mm-hmm. there has to be something there I, I don't know yeah no I agree because I've seen that and that was something that I dealt with too because it was like you know, I love this kid no matter what. And mm-hmm. it made me like love her even more that I had to fight for, her, you know, mm-hmm. to make that kid mine or whatever. So we, um, you know, we started, uh, we actually started going to church like throughout all this thing. Cause we were like, Oh, you know, we kind of fucked up a lot. Maybe we should go get our life together. Are you churchy in that way? I used to be. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Um, you're such a different person. Yeah. I was, I, I was very young and very, uh, I was raised with like a super Christian background throughout all the bullshit I went through. So I always kind of relied on that. And it was always like, I believe that because it was what I was raised to believe. And mm. then throughout all this shit I'm going to talk about, <laughs> I kind of grew my own opinion about mm. life and stuff like that and kind of woke up. But, um, yeah, we uh, we ended up getting married. It was like one of those things where the church oh, told us. Oh, you actually us, got married. Yeah, the church told us like, hey, you know, you guys are going to live together. You guys should just get married. You guys both believe oh, it'd be the right gosh. thing to do. And I was ready. Um, and the church was cool. They actually and you're paid, still nineteen. Yeah, we were we were twenty at this point. Mm. We were just about to turn twenty one. And um, the church actually paid for us to go to marriage counseling for five weeks, which I thought was awesome. And I thought it'd be cool because. Um, you know, her whole family's thing, and I think her thing was like, they thought I would like hold this over her head or something. That or like always, it wasn't your kid. Yeah, or just always really? keep, which which I was never that kind of person. And this girl was like raised, basically told like, hey, the world is yours. Like, no, you can't make any mistakes. So she had this idea of like, she's a little Miss Perfect. So we go out on this real world adventure of moving in together and getting married. And she just like never cut that cord to her parents. Like I would come home from work and she'd be at her parents' house until like eight o'clock at night, have dinner with her parents and then come home and sleep at the apartment with me and the baby and stuff. So she had just like never like really got out. You and know? she's still a baby. Yeah. And she's she was very young, young, very young. And, and she just went through this really whole immature. thing. Yeah. Very immature. And so that's what um, the marriage counselor actually was telling me. She's like, Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like you're ready for this, but it doesn't seem like she is. And that's not a bad thing, but I just want you to know where she's at. And I was always like, Hey, Whatever she wants, like, that's cool. I'm just here to support and, like, do whatever because I was cool with whatever. So we got married and decided we were going to make this thing work. And so I needed to start providing for a family. You know, I was 19. I was working at a, uh, it was like a glass fabrication place. It's almost like the, um, I don't know enough about your, like, upbringing, but from what little you said, it's almost like you were just trying so desperately to create your own family. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And you were going to do it no matter what even if it was like the worst possible scenario. And I didn't just, even see it like yeah. that. I thought I saw it as the best possible scenario because I was like, this is like grit. You got to work for this and make it like, yeah, you know. Yeah, it shouldn't be that. And it yeah. really shouldn't be. And uh, so, you know, I needed to get a new job because I was working at this glass place. I was making like $14 glass an hour. Glass place. Yeah, like making shower doors and stuff. Okay. So that's what I was doing when I met her. And I made like 14 bucks an hour. I mean, at 20 years old though, with the overtime and stuff, I was making like okay money. So I was like, you know, we'll do this. And she's but, just we're focusing on raising this new baby. Yeah, she had a job too where she made like ten bucks an hour or whatever. Oh, yeah. So we're you know, we're trying to make it work. Your, and we were kids. doing and we were doing great. Like for 19, 20 year old kids, like we were. Were you still in it. school? You no, in I, I dropped out of high school um and got my diploma on my own and stuff just because of like shit I had going on. Did it's you ever like, go back for any high education or you just No, I just got my diploma and then started blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> so but um your blue collar is pretty fascinating. Yeah, so that's what happened um after I got married. I got offered a job working for a private company that did body removals for the mortuary. (laughs) That's so crazy. Yeah, and I hadn't even seen a dead body or done anything like that, but the guy offered me more money than I was making and I only had to work four days a week. When when you said offered it to you, like how did you cross paths with a guy who does body pickup? Yeah, so it was a guy at my sister's church, actually, and um, her boyfriend at the time had started working for him and he told me like, dude, I do this new job where I just pick up old dead bodies. And I'm like, that's what not that a job. What does that mean, pick up old dead bodies? Like, like it's when basically, somebody dies in their home Yeah, or so if anybody dies, um, like for Orange County, for example, the way the coroner's office works is there's like, um, there's the coroner calls and there's like a coroner release call. So if you die of natural causes and your doctor's willing to sign off on the death certificate, you go straight to whatever mortuary you're supposed to go to. What do you mean sign off on the death certificate? Like, so like, if your doctor, if you're being treated for, you're on hospice care or say you're suffering from like a, a disease or something and your doctor's aware of it and he knows that's your oh, cause and then you, of death. then you die. You just have to call the yeah. doctor and be like, by the way, this person passed away. We think it was yeah. natural. And it was, it was usually people on hospice care. So it was already, it was already like, as soon as they die, this mortuary is going to pick them up and take care of everything. Exactly. So 
we were that company that represented those mortuaries. And so it was really, he told me like, how do you pick up a body? Like what do you, you just, we would just wrap them up in a sheet. Like you wrap them in a sheet, Is nice a and sheet dignified. Bring yeah. We'd bring you? like a nice white sheet. Um, and you would just wrap them up real dignified, put them on a gurney and then load them in your van, drive them to the mortuary, log it in. How do you lift them up? Like you just, it'd be like two you, people? yeah, usually if it was a house call, it'd be you and another guy. Cause sometimes you'd have to carry them downstairs or use different techniques. Um, so do you have to like go through a training process to learn no, how to remove there was a body? Zero. Tra my training process was a ride along. The guy was like, you want to come try it out? I was like, yeah, I guess he's like, cool, get a tuxedo and, and be available at this time. I'll pick you up. So wait, wait, they just kind of, are you on call like yeah. waiting for somebody yeah. to die? So the schedule and you, was like four get, days on call. So you only get, oh, so you get paid when you're on call. So if nobody dies, day. you get paid no yeah, matter what. There was days where it was weird though. Cause like there, I was on, I started Sunday at midnight and I was on call until Thursday at midnight. So oh. four days straight on call. And then whatever calls came in, there was like six guys on call. Cause it could be the middle of the night or could whatever. Be. And it usually was, it was literally like there, I mean, during the winter time, like flu season, it, it would be insane. Like the death rate would skyrocket and we'd be out like 19 hours a day. How many bodies can you pack into a back of a two. van? Two, like legally, cause we had two gurneys, but more if you're an asshole like me. <laughs> So you would, be, you would be putting more bodies in the back I've of I've done that a couple times. Like how like, many were the most you The most I ever did was up. actually like nine, but it was only because- what? in yeah. one car and you're only but the reason why, two? Yeah. The reason why is because we were, we were moving bodies from a, a donor program to a crematory. So these were bodies that had been like experimented on for like four or five years. And so yeah. we had to take those remains and take them out. So at that point they're like, just shove them in there. They're in boxes, just stack them up, take them to the crematory and just dump them. So that that was his most, but like fresh bodies, like dead people, I took three one time when you're only supposed to take two, but two of it them It was were on like, your way. Yeah, it was at it was, the same it was place. Yeah, and it was- It was like an Uber, <laughs> an Uber pool Yeah, dead I was bodies. like, I'm gonna double up. But yeah, it was weird, because they, they just, the guy offered me the job. He was like, yo, it's 200 bucks a day, and you're wow. on call four days a week. And at that time, I wasn't making that much. And I was like, dude, I get three days off a week, and I get to just do this? Like, that's easy, that's I could do great. that. That's great, and then there's probably days where no, very few people die. Yeah. Was there ever a day that like you got just a- Yeah, there was times where I'd be at home for like, I mean, a night where you got a full night's sleep, would just be like, oh my God, did my phone die in the middle of the night or did nobody die? Like, which one happened? <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was just it was just crazy. So I, I took on this job and all this responsibility with zero idea about how heavy that is to yeah, deal with. No, I mean, as that's a, kid. a pretty intense job pick, picking up dead people. Yeah. And it started uh, cool. It started really cool with it was just old people. It was like, you know, people on hospice care, it was never gross. Like you deal with like old lady pee. That was the grossest thing you ever well, had to deal with. Because when they die, yeah, they sometimes they'll they, release or whatever. And that was the grossest thing I had to deal with. But then the company got kind of greedy. Wasn't it kind of gross, like yeah. dealing with dead people? The worst part was dealing with the families. Because you're going to the house and you're the first person that they see after the family member dies. Right. And you're taking them. So you have to get all their info, cause of death, doctor info, and you're interviewing these families Did you ever that have just like lost. A, what's the crazy, and we have like a particular experience? Oh, uh, yeah, plenty. I mean, it's one of the craziest things was experiencing different cultures reaction to death and how they like react to it differently. Hmm. It, was, it was insane. Like I remember my first time picking up somebody that was um, Oriental. I think they were Japanese. It was at a hospital and uh, I went into this hospital room and there's like 25 people crammed in there. Like everybody this person ever knew and they're all taking pictures with the dead body. Like they're all posing with it and taking pictures and stuff and they were taking pictures of me taking the dead body <laughs> out of there. Wow. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And then they actually, uh, they, this family threw quarters at my uh, van as I was like loading the body in because they believed I think it was they believed that the spirit would stop to pick up the quarters and wouldn't be able to follow the body. Oh. And then they actually drove and followed me to the mortuary. So I had never experienced that. I was like, oh my God. And then I found out that a lot of like Oriental Asian families will do that. Like if someone dies, they everyone comes and hangs out and they follow the body and they do all that. And then um, mm. I did a couple calls for like, um, I'm not sure. You just want to actual, make sure that the body went where it needed yeah, to go. Yeah, <laughs> that too. But like um, Arabic or Muslim, I don't know. I don't remember. I can't tell you exactly which one it was. But um, there was one where I had a partner that was a female and they would not let her touch the body. Like they, they were freaking, like she's not coming in the house. She's not touching the body. Oh. You need to get another guy out here to do it. And oh, these people in, in life, you're, I think you're not, a man is not supposed to touch yeah, a woman, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. So it was something like the reverence of the dead body or whatever, but oh. then um, they would like do this weird So how prayer. did you have to, do you have to bring out? Yeah, another? we had to call another guy to do it. Oh. And then we're sitting there taking this body out and they would like stop and pray every 10 feet and like, but like long prayers, people singing, doing all kinds of crazy shit. And it was like, mm. 
you know, I don't understand what they're doing, but I'm trying to be respectful. But there was, I remember there's a couple times where it was taking like 45 minutes and it's like, dude, they're so, not, they don't care. They're not here anymore. <laughs> did you have a lot of different coworkers? Yeah, the- I had four, I had like four people I mostly work with because there was a bunch of us on call. There was like seven people that worked there total. So they have like four of us on call at once. So it was so weird. I had, it was me, 21 year old stoner with, you know, no experience. My sister's boyfriend, there was like a 45 year old guy named Tad who was like 400 pounds. Oh. And then there was a girl that was going through mortuary sciences who was completely gnarly. I did some calls with this chick and she was just like super into death, super into like all the gory shit. And I was like, whoa. Like, well, I mean, death is, I mean, I'm, it's fascinating. It's crazy. Like, it's, like, it's really interesting. You don't ever really think about it until I, you're surrounded by it. Did you ever have anybody that like you worked with or when you went to the morgue on the regular, you'd see them be like, like so creeped out by that part. Like that dude's like into fucking um, dead people. You know, something. there wasn't a lot of those, but like, there was actually at Rose Hills, um, in Whittier is like the busiest mortuary in the world. It's the only place where they have embalmers embalming people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. So the night shift guy is like a total metalhead, and he's like tatted up completely. And I would go into this place at like 2 a.m. and you walk in and this dude's just like embalming bodies, blasting Pantera (sighs) and just like enjoying the shit out of his job. And it's just so funny to sit there and like you're in a room with like literally 60 or 70 dead bodies, just freshly embalmed or freshly delivered, just dead people everywhere. This dude's blasting death metal and stuff and just enjoying the shit out of his job. And I'm like, what the well, fuck, it's a man? Job. I mean, I've read yeah. that book, Stiff, too, which talks about the embalming process. Yeah. I love that book, by the way. But it's like, you know, I mean, like, that's pretty gnarly what that process is and what they do. Like, I yeah. never want to be embalmed. Just like. Yeah, I'd rather just be cremated. Cremated. Like, or after t- reading. Yeah, or eaten seeing. by a shark or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just throw me in the ocean. I don't ever want to be like, I used to, that was one of the things that really tripped me out was like seeing people on the table and then like connecting that to like people you know ending up on a table people that you know are going to end up like that you're going to end up like that you could be that guy that's that just you just me. pulled out like of a at car. the end of the day yeah. it's like we're all and that know, was the thing part like of the food chain you almost like the thing that caught me off guard the most you know i was 21 years old like i like lost my entire sense of empathy on that job like i just became this person that was like so numb to everything like i was just i was surrounded by death and p- sad people always and then oh. I come home from that and I'm trying to do this whole marriage thing that's not working because she like, you know, I'm not there. What a sad place in your life. Yeah, it was it was dark. It was really bad. I, I went from like, you know, I, I hover around like 220, 230 pounds. I'm a pretty big dude, like just muscular. Like I've got a big frame. Uh, four months after doing that job, I put on like 100 pounds. <gasps> I was 340. Damn. So I just. You packed it on. I just went through this depression. I wasn't sleeping because of the schedule. And then they started doing the coroner contract at my work. So they started doing calls for like the coroner's office where it was like car accidents, dead kids, like all kinds of oh, stuff like that. So that's I just. depressing. Yeah. And I just got thrown into this world and, of and like just shit and hell. And I was like not dealing with it well. And then that's when like the marriage started falling apart. And it was just like, okay. I, I fucked up. <laughs> no, I mean, you're dealing with, like, seeing car accidents. You're not, yeah. that is really upsetting. I have to get back to the metalhead guy, though. Like, yeah. I kind of ask, like, just, because I'm always, like, I'm, I'm so pervy in my thoughts. I'm like, like, some dude that's hanging out with dead bodies, you're like, you just hear, like, yeah. Do you know what creepy is, motherfuckers. That, I always thought that, but. They're so professional. The, not even that. No, there no, is like, nothing hey, bro, sexy. Hey, you gotta tap this rigor mortis pussy. Like, dude, there's really... nothing sexy about a dead body. No, I know. I, That's I've why I don't up, get I've it. I picked up girls that were like my age with like big old fake titties and stuff, and you don't even process like, oh, that chick was no, hot. No, no, no. That's just a like, dead yeah, person. Just but completely. Like, but there was guys I worked with. I remember there was one dude that one time he said, so he's like, damn, that chick had a nice rack. And oh. I was like, part of me was like, kind of like, that's kind of funny. But I was like, dude, <laughs> like, are you being for real right now? And he's like, bro, titties are titties, man. You got to be real. I was so like, like, did you just say that? Did right he now? like cop a feel of the dead girl's tits? I don't tits? know. I, I could imagine She's... it. It wouldn't be difficult. But, you know, the other side <laughs> to that is like having to undress dead old ladies at the mortuary. Some mortuaries were like, we got to the bodies. Them? There was Rose Hills, that place. When you brought a body in, they made the you do so much work. Do it? Nope. They're like, you got to undress the body, put all the clothing in this bag tag it do all the shit for us that oh, was like man. the grunt work that so like her puss tastes like formaldehyde oh i remember oh, one yeah. time i did a, i did a removal of this old lady and Ugh. she just like shit everywhere oh, all yeah. inside of her clothes everything when she died yeah That's it was what happens. but it was bad and i got to the mortuary and i had to like undress her out of her shitty dead old lady oh. clothes and I'm wearing a tuxedo. That 200 bucks or whatever you're making doesn't And sound. that's the thing. Like, dude, I was wearing a tuxedo, which is already fucked up. And I'm sitting there like, 
undressing up a woman, old lady, dead old lady in her shitty underwear, like trying to get her naked on a table. So there's just nothing sexual. Do you cut <laughs> it? You cut it away. You actually have to like. Yeah, no, take, I would. Like, I would let me cut. slip you out of your poopy panties. Some, some people were like, oh, you know, the family God. wants the clothes intact. I'm like, they're not getting these fucking clothes intact. No, nobody <laughs> wants that. Here's the thing. When I you suck. go to resale, sometimes when you go to like, I, I like to buy clothes at like, um, you know, like resale places yeah. and sometimes you wonder Never like, know. did somebody die in this <laughs> someone died in this like, it's a pretty cool sweater yeah. see I was always really bad at that job though because I'm like kind of like a space head sometimes or whatever and I would just start slacking off like I would never stock my truck so I'd go pick up my work van like with no equipment and I remember one time I had to go pick up a lady and I totally spaced and forgot to bring sheets oh <sighs> And it oh. was like, it was a, uh, I think it was like a natural, it was some weird death, but she'd like died on her carpet on like a rug in her house. And I remember talking to the cops there and I was like, I gotta, I gotta take her, but like I fucked up and I don't have a sheet. So my partner's got to drive, but he's like three hours away. And the cop was like, dude, I've been here for seven hours. You're not fucking leaving me here that long. He's like, use the carpet. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, just roll her in the carpet. So as like a 21 year old Italian kid in a tuxedo, I rolled an old lady up in her carpet. <laughs> And fucking took her out. Oh. <laughs> that was probably one of the coolest moments of my life. Oh. That's so fucked up. Yeah, but I mean, it was like, I remember halfway through that job, they stopped paying us per day and they actually started paying us per body. Oh. Because they, uh, they, so tend, then you're hoping people die. Yeah, that's, that was the weird part where it was like, all right, now I'm sitting here rooting for more people to die. And I was like, guy that was like, hey, if I'm out, keep me out. Stack them up, dude. Like, just keep giving me calls because I just want to keep making money. And then there would be oh. weeks where I'd just be like, damn, I killed it the last two weeks. Literally. <laughs> Literally, I just killed it. But yeah, it got funny. Like one of my, I actually have a stand-up bit about this, but one of the funniest things that ever happened to me, they started paying us per body. So we started really caring about how long these calls took. It was like, dude, I can't be out. Oh, so you got to move fast. Yeah, it was grab like, the, dude, grab I don't, the body and go. time's money now. So I remember they sent me out to this house one time and uh, there was a fuck up with the mortuary and the lady hadn't died yet, but she was like on, <laughs> on the verge of death, like on the verge. So I pull up to this house and my boss, I call my boss. And I was like, yo, dude, like, <laughs> like a buzzard. <laughs> yeah. So I called him and he told me, he's like, I mean, I was like, she's not dead. He's like, well, I mean, she's probably going to die pretty soon. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he actually told me, he's like, well, there's not wait. a lot going on. He's like, do you want to wait like an hour and just see if it happens? And then you'll be there. <laughs> and I just remember being like, dude, like, no, like I'm not comfortable with that. What? That's so fucked up on every level, man. Like, like the family's like shooing you away. Yeah, like, like no, get, the, the, get vulture, get. Yeah, it was bad. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. But I remember that late, like I left, and then the lady died like two hours later. And I had to drive back, and the whole drive back over there, I was just like, fuck this lady, dude. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, like. Oh. But that was like moments like that. I just remember looking back or like just driving through the, cause I had to drive, like I drove to Arizona. I drove to Salt Lake city to get bodies. Like they didn't give a shit. They would send us anywhere. And I remember like driving through the middle of the desert, 3 AM driving it and just going, I'm driving a dead person right now. This is what my life is. I'm just a guy that drives around dead bodies. Uh -huh. Like your driver. Yeah. yeah. But one thing that really amazed me throughout Somebody's that, gotta do it. yeah, throughout that whole process. And you know, I did it for three and a half years. Um, and, uh, you know, I went through a divorce at that time and stuff, but like the one thing that always amazed me was like throughout all of it, I always found the humor in every situation I was in. That's the one thing I learned about myself, even at the darkest depths of what I've been through. The one thing I've known is that humor and comedy, the one thing that's always got me through yeah. and it's the way my brain works. I just well, turn straight to like, make it funny and yeah. not even in a disrespectful way. It's just the way that I view the world. So that was when I actually first started thinking about like, you need to be a comedian, man. And this is the kind of shit that you're doing with your life that's gonna one day hopefully open up a door where you're gonna be able to do that kind of stuff. Like never knowing that a couple of years later, I'd be able to actually like do that, you know? Yeah. So. Um, no, I mean, and, and having that much tragedy just lends its yeah. way to having comedy, I think. But yeah, it was a dark, uh, it was a dark period in the Alfano life. <laughs> it that wasn't. is dark. But then you went from like picking up dead things to killing things. Yeah, well before it, that, like the interesting part is how I got out of that job. Cause um, I actually had a 400 pound dead body dropped on me on some stairs. What? Yeah, so I um, I went to a house call one time and they, they told us like, hey, you know, the guy's kind of big. And can I was you like, imagine? Yeah. I can, I'm just, you just, I just thought of something right now um, of having to pick up a very fat person when they like, yeah. yeah. Biggest I ever saw was 850. 
And, and you, how did you move that? that was one, it a man? Yeah, it was a dude. He was 850. He took up pretty much an entire queen-size bed. He was huge. Like, yeah, it was well, unbelievable. No, why? If yeah. anybody knows yeah. what so, it's like moving around a fat <laughs> right? person. Jeez. But it took but seven. even when they're alive, seven, they're hard to move around. Let's yeah. be honest. It took seven walking, guys walking. to get him through out of the house. We had to like hourglass him through the doorway because he was in a bedroom. Could he not fit through the yeah, door? Yeah, we had to like we had a gurney that was rated for a thousand pounds. It was a little bit wider than the other ones. Uh-huh. But this guy like was like three of those. So, but it could hold the weight. But it was like he was just drooping on both sides of it. Uh huh. So no, I can imagine yeah. he gets all. See, we got this guy out of the house, and we had to call the fire department to help us at the mortuary. It wait, took wait, nine okay, wait, people. He was, was it, did you have to go downstairs? No, he to... was in a one bedroom apartment. He, I mean, was, he probably uh, didn't yeah. have stairs. That guy, was that never guy going wasn't upstairs. walking upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think he saw stairs in his life. Yeah. It was just, it was insane Aww. how big this guy was. But no, I uh, trust me. Yeah, was, that's I've the biggest I saw. But the four, the four hundred pound one, they sent me to go remove this guy with a guy that we hired that was, I'm not even kidding you, 105 pounds. He looked like a like a walking skeleton. And he was sitting there doing body removals and we were, it was at a trailer park, um, like a mobile home. Oh, where this man was. Yeah, and this is like, it wasn't like a fat four hundo. It was like a six foot nine. What was nine. the smell like in there? That one wasn't bad. That was like a pretty fresh. No, I'm talking about the fat man. Uh, that one was bad, yeah. yeah that I, was, I just can't It just did, it smelled like just like dirty sweat and just like, I, don't know, I couldn't oh. even explain it. It was bad. I, I don't yeah. know. But we uh, we went to this town, to this little like RV or whatever, and it's like super tight quarters, so we couldn't get our gurney back there. So we had to use this thing called a body carrier, which is fancy because all it is is a piece of tarp with PVC handles. And oh. you put the body on it, and because it's able to flex. So this is for the thin man. The no, this is for the fat dude. This oh. is because we couldn't get our gurney back there. Oh. So we have to drag this guy out to our gurney outside of the house. And it's like one of those raised foundation mobile homes. So there's oh. like those six stairs. So we, we get this guy all the way to the front door. And the whole time I'm watching this kid, we had to pretty much drag him. And I'm doing all the lifting. And we get to the stairs, and I'm like, yo. I'm gonna need you to pick this guy up. And like, if you need to let him down, tell me immediately, but like, we're gonna go really slow. And he's like, I got it, I got it, I'm good. As soon as we pick this guy up, I can just tell the way that he's holding the body and like everything. And I'm already down the stairs holding like this dude's like- Oh, you're on the bottom part. I'm on the bottom. We picked him up and I went down Is about he going three stairs. He- so you got head his head? First. I got head first going down, trying to get him on this gurney. And this idiot I'm working with just completely lets this guy go. <gasps> So, Does he land on top of you? Yeah. So, it, so you he get like, pinned under an 800 pound man. He like surfboarded me. Like I, I was like kind of standing one leg higher than the other. I've like, been pinned under. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's oh. good. No, but yeah. So he lands on top of me oh. and like I can't get him off. And I just felt, I had felt my back just like out, like just oh. completely like thrown it, out. You could yeah. hear it and I've feel just it felt and... something go just like bad. I was like, holy so shit. So like, basically you fell backwards and, With him and on top fat man on top of you. Yeah. So we get this guy oh. off me eventually or whatever. I had to call my boss. How do you even get off of you? If the guy can't lift him, how I, did- I, I did adrenaline probably because I, I remember actually getting this guy off me fat. I like rolled him off of me oh. and I just threw everything I had into 800 it. pounds. Well, he was 400. The 800 pound guy was a different story. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was so talking about the um, we got 400. 400 pounds. Yeah, this is the 400 pound guy. So we were able to- Wait, so the, I'm lost in all this poundage. What happened yeah. with the 800 pound The 800 pound like- guy, we got him to the mortuary and we had to call the fire department to help us get him out of my van. Like it took eight guys and we almost had to use a forklift to like pull this guy out of my, the back of my van. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I can imagine. Yeah. But the other one, the 400 pound one, like we still, couldn't get help. Like still, he's 400 pounds. It's huge. And he it's was like, huge. Six foot nine. You he need was something a giant. that moves animals. Yeah. And like, like how we, do they move a dead cow? Like yeah. it's, it's just like. They yeah. don't have the tools for that kind of stuff. So I, I ended up getting a back injury and I was out of work for like six months. So for six months, I was able to just like decompress. That's so sad. Yeah. And realize yeah, like. They're probably young guys too. Yeah. Nah, really some sad. of them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just remember going through that six months of not being around dead bodies and it was just like kind of slowly coming out of a fog. And so then, you got paid like workman's comp. Yeah. I was on workman's comp yeah. for, I had like a lumbar strain and it took like four months for me to get back. So I think it was about four month period, four or six months. And uh, you could, the, the, in that instance, they literally could have killed you and then they could have had two bodies. Yeah, exactly. Right. That would have been the worst way <laughs> to die. And your buddy would have got, yeah, <laughs> how did you die? Picking up dead people. Yeah. <laughs> like for, for the amount of like crazy shit that I did with that job, it was always fun to me because I was doing a good service. But it never felt like a good service. It always just felt like some. Well, you weren't fucking... doing it because of some altruistic thing. You were doing no, it to get paid. I was doing it because I needed money. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have done it. But for yeah, so I went back to that job after like being off for four months, and I think I lasted like maybe two months. And this I was just like, too much. yeah, I was like, I got to get out of here. My work started slipping. I kept calling in sick and stuff, and then they eventually were like, "Are you into this or what?" Because we're gonna have to let you go. And I was like, you know what, dude? Yeah, I'm out. Like, I can't. I just can't do it anymore. 
And this so. was also during the, your divorce, or your well, after, yeah, the divorce happened uh, right before I got hurt. What so. happened with the child? She. Um, how long? How long were you married? We were then? married for one year. So oh, the baby, the baby was two when I left. Like, and what had happened was we'd been married for a year, and I'd given it every single opportunity to like go back to counseling. It was, it to was do. doomed. It really it was. was. It was doomed from the start. We never should have got married. We didn't even have like a wedding. We got married at the courthouse. It mm-hmm. was like a typical like shotgun well, type she, thing. She probably, she got the DNA test there. She yeah. gets the marriage there. Right, she was just it's, like a courthouse yeah. hoe. <laughs> courthouse hoe, what, what? She but, never even took my last name. Like we argued, like it was bad. Like she, we got married and it was almost like a forced marriage in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like we both didn't want it and it was like, we thought we had to do it and it was like. But what about the kid? Do you ever so see her? So that was the thing. We, um, I didn't see her for a couple years, but when my mom stayed involved with her and it was it was cool i always felt like you know that was the hardest thing to walk away from her but i carried a lot of guilt around for like three or four years um after we got divorced and so we actually got back together uh when i was 26 for like six months we got back together where i was like you know i've carried all this guilt around i thought maybe we could have given another shot like we've both grown up a lot i'm not picking up dead people anymore you know Hmm. things are going like we can make this work she, you know, and she came back pretty much saying like, I've changed and like, I'm ready for all this stuff. And so I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. So like six months of being that girl's dad again was cool. It was like, oh, sweet. And we were all happy. And then like, it just was very obvious immediately that she hadn't changed. Like after like three months of like being together, it was just like, oh shit, here we go again. Mm, Same, yeah. never her fault, super dramatic, everything. And she was like, she wanted to be like a theater major. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? And she's like, I'm going to teach theater. I'm like, that's a pretty hard job to just kind of count on what's your backup plan. She's like, I don't have one. I'm like, well, you have a six-year-old. We six gotta year respect old. that, though. I did respect it, but at the same time, I was like, you have a six-year-old daughter that you know you need to support right. as well because she's still a dude. She still but is with her parents. I was gonna say she has the support of her parents. She's been very Always. sheltered. Her dude, whole thirty life, years yeah. old with still a lives nine, with her eight-year-old daughter, or almost ten years old now. Oh yeah, still is with her parents. Never, well, never got out of the house. Do you ever see her, the little girl? No, I haven't seen her. The last time I saw her was at my friend's um, engagement party, like a mutual friend, and she was like seven. And she remembered me, and it was cool. There's no bad blood there. Like, I was, I look at it like, you know, I was a positive influence in this little girl's life for a couple years, and like, no one can take that away because she's dated on and off and always had dudes in that girl's life, like, for months at a time. And it's just like dude after dude after dude. And it's like, sucks for her but at least she had like well isn't that how she got into that in the first place nothing yeah yeah, and that's the stuff i realized like later on too growing up and like having relationships after her and going like damn she like i was so in love with this chick that like you weren't even in love with like i was in love with this idea of having a family and like i didn't even know what the hell i wanted i was young i was 21 she was 21 so right it's crazy to look back and just through all that stuff just like to see the lesson learned and just to go, you probably could have learned that lesson a lot you easier. You probably <laughs> fall in love really easily though. I, no, I used to, you know, I used to, I caught myself on that. Like I've actually been uh, single for like eight months right now and I haven't even gone on a date. Oh. I've just been doing comedy and just like being myself. And probably because if you do, you'll get so involved so quickly. No, I learned after that. I've had a couple relationships where I was able to like kind of catch, that was like the one thing about comedy. When I started doing comedy, it was like good therapy for me. I kind of realized mm-hmm. all these things about myself that I'd been doing for years and it was like, it just made me so transparent to go, dude, this is who you are. And like, you can change these idiotic things that you do and get can, out of these stupid habits and patterns. Well, I can fall in love very easily and become very attached very quickly yeah, because see, you just feel like I, you idealize everything. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm really terrible. I will idealize the worst case scenario. No, I do that too. And paint Make it the romantic. red flags yeah. white immediately <laughs> and then have a delusional thought about what is really going on because, oh no, no, surely it means something else. Yeah. Like you, it just. See, I had, to, I had to teach myself not to yeah. do that. And no, that, I was, can see that. that was very hard to like learn, but being on this side of it, it's like one of those things now, like I look at all my friends that are like online dating and, all, and I just laugh. I'm like, dude, oh, you're wasting your time. It's so stupid. Like all that. It's just, I don't know. I just can't well, get into it anymore. Oh, well. I mean, you know? it's, uh, people are looking for companionship. Yeah, see, that's what I look. I look at it as like because I was so codependent for so long. There but you like, go. Looking at you know, spending years seeing yeah. death and seeing all the stuff and like looking at how humans actually are. I just kind of like learned this whole new side of humanity that like changed me as a person of like more educated. I think as as like why humans do what we do and more interested in why humans do what we do as humans as opposed to like. Well, we're all animals, but then yeah. you get into the value of life and what Which is life know. and how it goes down to the tiniest little thing like a bug. Yeah, and now and here then I now am. here you are murdering <laughs> so bugs. I, got, I only got involved in pest control because after the dead body thing, I was unemployed for two years. I couldn't find, it was like right when uh, like the economy just tanked and I, you know, I had how no did college. You survive? 
I was on unemployment for like a year and a half. From the body picking Yeah, after business? the body oh, thing. I got on unemployment out. and I, I, it wasn't like fun employment. It was unemployment looking for a job every day for like two years. It was the worst. And I ended up getting some terrible warehouse you're, What's job. your skill set? Like when you go in and interfere job. So what have you been doing the past few years for employment? Yeah, right. Pick, well, up, dead pick up dead people. What's up? This fat guy fell on top of me yeah. and I was pinned, but it, I was okay. I just and pulled I, my back muscle. I always did odd jobs too. Like I've done a lot of driving jobs. I did that. I did construction. So I've got like a pretty like big background of stuff that I did. So I was able to find a warehousing job. And that was the first time in my life where I was like, all right, dude, you're 25 years old. You're working at a warehouse for like $13 an hour again. And mm. I was like, what do you want out of your life? Do you want to go back to picking up bodies? Yeah, no. No. Yeah. And that was the thing. I thought about everything. And I just, I, I just remember one day going, you should just do comedy, dude. Like just do it. And this was like two years before I even got the balls to do it. It was just like, you, you've watched so there's like it. like a voice in your head telling you. Since I was five years old, there's been a voice in my head telling me that stand-up comedy is what I should do. Oh, wow. And I never listened to it because I used to watch it on TV and just idolize God. Just, oh my God, how do you do that? It's so cool. And like in class, I would, I was always that kid that was like making everybody fail. Just always been like that. Mm. And I don't remember what it was, but I just remember like, uh, I was like 27. I just, one day I was like, I gotta go do this. Like, I gotta go give this a shot. And I did it once and I've never looked back. And like, you know, and through that, I found new paths and stuff. And that's how I ended up uh, taking a job killing bugs for a living. Which I find fascinating. <laughs> so like my guy, my, like I have an exterminator who yeah. I actually, at some point I'll probably won't have because it doesn't gel with, with me. I mean, kind of need it when you have a house. Cause yeah. Like, and but, certain things like spiders, black widows, like well, some of those things do need to be kept yeah, under control. For, well, especially if you have kids. Yeah. No. And, and, but the guy shows up and I'm always like, whenever he comes over, I'm just like, you're a murderer. And I know I'm a hypocrite <laughs> because I've hired Hitler to come over and kill the, yeah. the, the bugs or whatever. But like they, all day long, he kills things. Yep. And he has no... And I remember one time I had... Um, a couple times actually, I've had bees and you cannot kill bees. But like, we talked about it and I, I called call it a bee re, hive removal. Yeah. But this dude would kill him. You've killed hives. Yeah, I worked for a company when I first started <sighs> pest control that they did not they did not follow procedure on anything. It was a small company. Like they, they hired me, got procedure me licensed. Procedure being and like, if you don't follow procedure, but the, the, there's laws. There's there's so many agriculture laws. No, they didn't. They enforce it too. There's people oh, out in the field that will pull you over and write you're, you you're up. Because you're in poison. And, yeah, you have poison. Absolutely. And, and there's, I mean, like there's a lot of rules and regulations that don't get followed by a lot of people. If you like kill a hive of bees, you're killing like 20,000 bees. Is that coffee? You're killing so many. Yeah. And a lot of it's just it's because a, it's a they whole... make a nest in someone's house and they're just like, get them the fuck out. It's I don't genocide. care. Yeah. And that's something that I, I never thought about that ever. I just never did. And then I'm sitting there working one day and I, I just started thinking about like, damn, dude, you kill a lot of shit every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, damn, how'd you, how'd you go from like picking up dead people to end up being the guy that just kills all this I shit? Mean, is it, is there like, um, like you a don't difference? see, yeah, you is don't it? see bugs typically on that job. Like it's not like you walk into a house and you're stomping on spiders. It's just right. like you're spraying poison that's gradually over time controlling a bug population. Mm. But it's just funny to meet these people. Like there's two, there's two people that get pest control. There's people that get pest control because they absolutely need it. They have, you know, brown widow infestation. They have <laughs> a roach infestation. They just need it getting taken care of. And then there's the people that get it because they need someone to come to their house every month that they can just berate and belittle and be an asshole to and never be satisfied. Because we have so many, and I always thought that was a joke, but we have so many customers that will take a day off of work, make sure they're there when you get home, and we'll just watch you like a hawk and make sure really? that you spray every square inch. They tell you how to do your job, and it's like, dude, I'm fucking licensed. Like, I took a test. I had to go through the state. You don't know what you're talking about. You get guys like, there's like six ants out here. It's like, fuck, dude, we're outside. Like, there's ants outside, ants bro. Outside. Though, I'll tell you, the one thing living up here is that at least once a year we get ants really oh, yeah. bad and they come in looking for water and there'll be like a thousand swarm. Like, yeah a swarm so I, I I have no choice like I have to start vacuuming up the ants yeah and then the other thing we get sometimes we'll get the little moths and I'll kill the moths because you don't want them in your closet you don't want yeah, them in, little your, pantry in your pantry beetles yeah yeah but every other bug unless it's somehow like a threat I, I rescue it really That's yes <laughs> I'll even try and rescue the moths from my pantry put them outside um and I, I feel really guilty killing all you the know, ants. I can't kill bugs that are like like cockroaches. I can't step on a cockroach anymore oh, because I've had to learn so much about their like ecosystem and like how they interact. I don't even like them. I don't care. I think they're disgusting. But learning how they how they mate, how they feed, where they live, all that stuff, it just I, I it almost makes them a person. Oh yes, that's the thing. Like, which is weird. <laughs> what makes it so different to have a 
I mean, like, it's just, it's a life. It's yeah. a life. It's a life. Life is life. I feel terrible if I have to kill anything. And I'm a total hypocrite. Yeah. I mean, I eat meat. Like, I'm I'm on this planet like anybody else. Like, and I'm not righteous in any way. But yeah. I, I think that there's something. I don't feel something... bad for eating meat. But I do, like, that's the thing. I'll feel bad for killing something, but I don't feel bad for well, eating meat. I Never mean, have. We're, we're, it's all part of the same thing. But I, I think, like, what right do we have? Like, and so when you do this, like, in the billions yeah yeah that's why i like you're pa- are you like powerful <laughs> not even that like i just look at it like like even the whole god thing like i used to believe in god i used to believe in this whole christian because yeah, you said you yeah. had a very christian upbringing and you know doing the dead body thing and the failed marriage and just seeing like all the stuff that i saw and like trying to rely on this like power to get me through it i just realized like you know it's all about yourself you got to get yourself through all this stuff and it's cool to have something to lean on if you need it but it can't be like a crutch it needs to just be something that you either lean on for support or strength when you need it and then you do the rest of the heavy lifting, you know? Literally, yeah. even if you're heavy lifting at 800 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Pound man, but which, I just. <laughs> which we share in common. That's hilarious. Right. Oh my God. Well, uh, Tony, that's like, it's been really cool hanging out with you. No, yeah, absolutely. It's like one of those things you just keep talking about. There's like so many like little intricate stories and like experiences. It's just crazy. But it's, is there any bugs in particular that you'd like to take a moment to apologize to right now? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I'm actually not working right now because I'm I'm going on disability because I hurt my back at work. Do you have a thing about this disability? <laughs> yeah. So it sucks, but like how do you I, hurt your back this time? This time was pulling dead rats out of an attic. Oh, so lovely. First time, fat eight hundred or four hundred pound dude falls on me. Back goes out. Picking up dead rats out of an attic back goes out. So I think I might be done with death. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just for a while. Maybe it's a, it's, <laughs> it's no a longer. Too much. You need to just be full-time comedy. That's, and That's you know, it. that was crazy because I felt like the last couple of years that like, not like the universe has been telling me, but you know, we were talking earlier about sometimes it just seems like things just start happening for not a reason, but they just start falling in line so easily. Right. And it's, t- t- it's the direction you need to be going right Ever now. since I started comedy four years ago, my life has turned 180 degrees and everything has gotten better. So you're killing and dying on stage. Yeah. And it's... And, and, and both. Yeah. Like, and more, it's, more killing than dying. I would say, yeah, I've been doing... I've, I've had better nights than I've had worse nights, but yeah. the thing is, I look forward to the worse nights more than the better Me nights. Me too. So like, I say not, that all the time. Yeah, if you're, not winning, you if you're not winning, you're learning. No, like, no, I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. The best nights are the ones that are the most challenging. Exactly. By far. Yeah. And so. almost don't even get like, I'll get a good thrill out of like when you, you know, you have those sets at a comedy club or something where you just lay it down and you feel great. Yeah. But that lasts like maybe 20 minutes and then you're back to like normal. Yeah. But if you eat shit, that's it. That sticks with you for like a week and you're totally. just, oh, I got to fix this. Oh, I got to yeah. do that. Oh God. I can't even think about it. Oh, you know, that's totally. what I love about comedy. It's so humbling. Oh my gosh. Tony, you're awesome. Where can people find you? Uh, I have a website, uh, TonyAlfanoComedy.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Adolf underscore Schittler. You're kidding. Yeah, that's really my name. You're kidding. Adolf Schittler? <laughs> yeah. Underscore, by the underscore way. Underscore Is Schittler. there another Adolf Schittler that yeah, you had there, to go I, with the I, underscore? I, I just went the underscore because I wanted it to be spaced out, but I, there are why other Adolf Schittlers do, now. Why did you do that on Instagram? God, I just thought that was so... I remember like... my Instagram name. genocide? Yeah, some, it used to be something else I don't remember, and I just remember thinking Adolf Schittler one time, and I couldn't stop laughing, and I was like, I'm just going to put that as my Instagram. I think, I think that's really fun. maybe though like Tony Alfano so people can find you yeah AKA exactly Adolf yeah Schiller. and I have my name on there and stuff but TonyAlfanoComedy.com and then it has <laughs> links to all my social media on there <laughs> I love it that's so yeah. it's been so great hanging no, out absolutely. with you it was great to hang out with you too this I is a great little so, studio I learned a podcast. Lot. yeah <laughs> <laughs> guys thank you so much please check out Tony online I'm Lana Turner L-A-H-N-A-T-U-R-N-E-R you're listening to Perfect 10 Podcast it is the Perfect 10 Podcast please tell 10 people come back and listen next week And uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you.